Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out the fact that I am heading home. Yes, that's right, back to North Carolina, and I'm bringing the OSP crew with me. And I want you to join me. One Shining Podcast is headed to North Carolina the night before the UNC Duke game at Cameron Indoor. It'll be in Durham, North Carolina on Friday, March 8th at 8 p.m. at the Carolina Theater of Durham. You can join me, Kyle, and special guests for a great night talking college basketball and the greatest rivalry in the game. Tickets are available at carolinatheater.org beginning today, Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. That's Carolina Theater. Theater is spelled T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Um, the fancy way.org. So carolinatheater.org, or we've got a direct link right in the episode description right here. Again, we'll be live in Durham, North Carolina at the Carolina Theater on Friday, March 8th at 8 p.m. And you can get your tickets beginning today, Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We hope to see you there. It's going to be a fun time. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have friend of the program, Eamon Brennan, back on the show, and we're going to talk about the Iron Bowl on the basketball side, Creighton Providence. The Bennett ball bounce back, ACC trolling at large, the strength of record realization, Indiana's big comeback, the Samson ejection, the hottest seat, the Dartmouth decision, and so much more. We got a fun show here. We're also going to do some shout outs and uh, talk about some of the crazy things that are and wacky and wonky, whatever you want to call it, things that are happening in college basketball. Appreciate everybody tuning in. But first, Woody Durham. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. It is Friday, February 9th, and we are joined by friend of the program, Eamon Brennan. Eamon, great to see you, man. Great to see you. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going well. There's a lot of college basketball topics to hit, uh, a lot of characters in our world that are standing out on the forefront, making sure that they are seen. But I want to talk about the Iron Bowl, which uh, we are not a college football podcast. We are a college basketball podcast. But if you heard Jimmy Dykes last night during the Alabama-Auburn game, you heard him uh, signify the fact that this is just as good as the Carolina-Duke rivalry right now in college basketball. Now, I'm not going to go that far, but it was <laughs> jumping. Auburn-Alabama was a great game. The game at Alabama was also a great game, great atmosphere, a lot of electricity in the building. How jarring is it still even to watch Alabama play Auburn in basketball and it have this level of stakes and this high level of interest? Because there's still a little bit of me that's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Th these are big-time college basketball programs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think... I also heard that comment during the broadcast and, <laughs> and it was very funny that it proceeded like a, you know, a 30 point battering. Um, yes. But I, I do know what he's getting at, which is that, you know, you've seen, um, I think a realization of something that if you were looking at college basketball in like 2010, let's say, and you're looking at the conferences and you're looking at where the money is in college sports, it wasn't as drastic then, but it was still the case that like, there's a ton of money in SEC athletics. It just happens so happens that like, you know, 98% of it goes to football or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but that that 
revenue and the creation of the SEC network and so on and so forth, similar to the Big Ten, um, has allowed the SEC to grow uh, on, on the basketball side as well. And you, you know, five years after that, maybe eight years after that, you go up and down and look at the coaches in the SEC and it's a, a really, really good, well-coached conference. I mean, you had Ben Howland who took UCLA to back-to-back Final Fours, you know, coaching at Mississippi State. And Mississippi State's the kind of place that will also put some money into basketball. You know, they got a good facility down there. It's a nice place. It's a basketball culture. Those people care yeah. about it. And so the um, the stretch of getting people to care about basketball down there is a little different from some of the other programs that traditionally have like football for, you know, Texas, I think is still a place where like they care. Um, but if things go awry in basketball, it's straight to spring football and like no one's <laughs> yeah, really right. all that bothered about it. But I think the SEC has built and has a, a sporting culture down there. Like people care about hoops too. And you see it in the Auburn fandom, particularly you see it with Alabama getting good and staying good under Nate Oates. But, you know, Auburn fans are are diehards and there's like a cadre of them that care as much about basketball as, as football, if not more so. So, um, yeah, it's great to see and it's fun and it, it elevates the league and it elevates the sport. Yeah, Sankey, I mean, it was a point of emphasis, right, that he was going to make uh, the SEC a powerhouse in basketball. Now, if you look at the metrics, the SEC is in front of the ACC. That was really the the competitor when they started this thing out. They said, we want to take down the ACC. And, you know, as far as the metrics go and as far as the teams that are going to be in the tournament, they have a better resume and a better profile than the ACC at this point. It's also funny to me, Nick Saban steps away from the, the football side, and now you have a situation where, the coaches at Alabama and Auburn that everybody knows, Bruce Pearl at Auburn, Nate Oates at Alabama. You know what I mean? Like that's that's these are two of the biggest football schools that you can think of. And now they're like, by all intents and purposes, basketball schools. And they have, you know, final fours to point to. They have SEC regular season championships, tournament championships to point to over the past four years. And, you know, back in the mid aughts, uh, it was the SEC was Florida or Kentucky. Right. I mean, those were the two teams, maybe Tennessee sprinkled in there with Bruce Pearl back in the day. But now the SEC. SEC West kind of has th- this empire of sorts with these two programs and these two coaches. And I saw a headline the other day about Nate Oates, uh, you know, being a favorite for the Louisville job once Kenny Payne, uh, his tenure's up there. And, you know, 10 years ago, you would say, well, Louisville's a better job than Alabama. They, they understand basketball. They understand the resources behind it. But I, I don't see a road in which Louisville right now is probably a better job than Alabama in the in the basketball space, which is even more insane to think about. And then we'll get to the game part of it, because last night you had Mark Sears on one side, who's a National Player of the Year candidate. You had Janai Broom on the other side, who's a National Player of the Year candidate. And these two programs have two very high-profile players, two very high-profile coaches, and a very high-profile game. Um, and it does feel like the rest of the country is catching up a little bit to this reality, but it is right there in our face that Alabama and Auburn, um, they're going to be contenders this March. They're probably going to be, you know, knocking on the door of a Final Four. You know, you expect one of them to be in the second weekend, if not both of them. And uh, it's just, like I said at the start, it's just a bit jarring uh, to to come to that realization. And now, like, I don't feel like Nate Oates has to take that next job at a quote-unquote basketball school. I think he's set. And maybe I'm naive to feel that way, but it does feel like things have changed in that sense. Am I crazy to to feel that way after seeing both these coaches? No, not at all. I mean, you know, again, these are two huge athletics programs with a ton of money sloshing around, uh, plenty of NIL opportunities to extend to, to the basketball side as well as the football side. Um, you know, high prioritization in the sort of shoe sponsorship world. If you go to a tournament, you know, you go to uh, an AAU tournament in the summer or, you know, uh, an Under Armour Circuit tournament, which is one of the last recruiting events I went to a couple of years ago. 
and it's all the Under Armour kids playing for their for their affiliate programs. And Bruce Pearl walks in there. He's like the biggest Under Armour guy. Yeah. Coaching. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, and so there you've got like a, a status there um, that is sort of ripe to be taken advantage of. Auburn, I think, has done a really nice job as well of, you know, building their arena. I think it's like the hundredth biggest college hoops arena. It's brand new. Everybody loves it. It gets extremely loud in there. But they didn't go build some 20,000 seat arena. They said, okay, we're Auburn basketball. Keep it tight. Get people enthusiastic about this place. Make it a great place to watch basketball. Um, and you see the environment on TV. It carries through. It looks like a really fun place to play. Yeah, they um, drop the lights and start flashing the lights and the crowd's yeah. going crazy. They call it the jungle. I mean, it, it has an atmosphere. Yeah, and it's perfect for Bruce Pearl's personality, too, because everywhere he's gone, he's <laughs> always been, you know... A mascot to, of sorts, he's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like his first day on campus at Tennessee when he got that job. He's taking off his shirt and, and you know, in the front row, painting himself for, for women's games. He's always been willing to do that. Yeah. Um, and so he's now got it to the point where people are really enthusiastic and and the program support and the new arena all all plays into it. Yeah, and you got the Jalen Williams windmill last night, uh, which was a big moment, and the crowd goes insane. And uh, there was a run, you know, right at the end of the second half for Auburn that it just felt like it was game over um, from then on out. And uh, like I said, I think both these teams are really good. I would lean more towards Auburn, um, even though they can't play at the jungle in the NCAA tournament. For, but for whatever reason, I like the strength of Janai Broom. I think he's more reliable. I think Sears, the, the height kind of hurts you. But, you know, conventional knowledge says you need to care more about the guard than the big man once we get to March. So, you know, I could hear both sides of the equation. In Alabama, right, the analytics guys, they're, they're doing a victory lap right now in Alabama because they said at the start of the year, these guys are a top 10 team. Now they're leading the SEC or they're tied now, I believe, in the SEC. But... It, uh, is Ken Palm put a tweet out about that? I know he was, you know, going after Miami for uh, for for him being right on them. Is he doing a victory lap on this? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that yet. I mean, he's already <laughs> collected. On the way. A, he's collected a couple scalps this year. He's got um, <laughs> he's got Memphis that he took down. Yeah. Uh, he's got Miami, which is he's been proven on correct on as well. So yeah, maybe <laughs> Alabama's back. I do want to say one of the things I enjoyed the most about Auburn. Um, uh, during the the uh, win over Alabama is that it got so bad that Katie Johnson was starting to get that cheer that walk-ons get um, when he had the ball <laughs> in his hands late. Like, you know, the fans were cheering for him just to get a bucket or, uh, you know, he had a, he had one step back sort of crossover move that, that fools. I don't know which defender it was for Alabama and fans got extremely, they were up by like 20. And yeah. fans were like, whoa. And of course, you know, <laughs> it came off back iron hard. But it was, it was, you know, I don't think there's a guy who plays more minutes in college basketball than Katie Johnson who still gets the walk on cheer at the end of a blowout in the same way. I do feel like Katie Johnson has like a Pat Bev kind of uh, affinity from the crowd where like he almost feels like he tells Bruce Pearl when he's going into the game and Bruce Pearl like has to acquiesce to it because he's like, I don't want to rub Katie the wrong way because he's a wild card. Uh, He's a crazy person. And uh, I think Pat Bev has that same thing going in the crowd, loves him. And it's almost like WWE a little bit. And uh, Katie Johnson, um, I hope for Auburn's sake that it's not late in the game, you know, in March, first weekend, and then Katie Johnson waves somebody off and says, this is my moment, because that feels like uh, inevitable uh, for Auburn fans. But uh, he tried a few finger rolls last night, Eamon, that were audacious, to say to say the least. Audacious. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, he might have been fouled, but he also might have committed an offensive foul, like with yes. the off-arm three or four times. It's just, yeah. He might have is... choked somebody out with his left hand while going up for a layup. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a man. Man, but uh, they showed Katie a close-up of him. You know, the Jimmy Dice was talking about. They showed a close-up of him, like you know, you don't always know what he's thinking, but but he's always thinking something. <laughs> 
And meanwhile, on screen, he's talked to every person on the floor like at least once in 10 seconds, just like his head's on a swivel. Right. He's yelling at someone. He's making over-exaggerated facial expressions. He's just, he's a treat. I feel like uh, everyone has like a point guard and they're like, he's like the head coach on the court. You know what I mean? Like, a, <laughs> And I feel like Katie Johnson is your crazy assistant coach on the court. You know what I mean? Yeah. The assistant coach that's jumping up and down, that's like living and dying by every play and every possession. That is Katie Johnson. And uh, shout out to him because he is fun to watch. He is electric. Um, one last other game that happened on Wednesday night, Creighton Providence. I have my uh, Big East Conference sweatshirt on. I'm trying to show uh, you know my uh, my objectivity here. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a beauty, by the way. Beauty yeah, the shout sweatshirt. out to the Big East, uh, the new Big East uh, is more fun. You know, we're having fun now. And Creighton Providence was a great game. Great example of that. The amp is a hard place to win. There were some calls late in that game with Devin Carter. He tried to just get a foul on Ashworth. Ashworth, this is late in the game. Ashworth then drives and then puts up a shot, gets hit. Um, but then Adoro, he runs into Adoro. They don't call a foul, but Carter was trying to get a foul beforehand. So Creighton fans are upset about the officiating. We'll talk about the officials a little bit later. That's been a topic of conversation as it always is. But this atmosphere for a regular season game at Providence between Creighton was awesome. Um, the, similar to what we saw with Alabama-Auburn. So I just wanted to highlight that. Um, it felt it feels like people are tuning in um, to these Big East regular season games with an interest like it is, you know, the the mid aughts or, or, or the 90s or something like that. It feels like the energy is there. Did you watch this game and what were your thoughts on uh, Providence getting a big win here? Yeah, I mean, great game. It was a massive, massive win for Providence. I agree about the atmosphere. Providence fans are are locked in sometimes, you know, maybe dangerously. So, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, you know. I think the thing is with with fans and with the program where Providence is right now, there's a there's obviously a huge investment in the idea that this thing is going to keep getting better. It's going to keep progressing. It doesn't stop with Ed Cooley. You have to keep going. And I think it was interesting because, you know, you have that big cathartic moment where you beat Georgetown, not in a blowout. You, mm. you managed to get over the line against Georgetown. Um, and, you know, everybody gets to to have their two hour hate. Uh, of Ed Cooley back in back in Providence, um, but then you lose at UConn. You get absolutely smacked at Villanova um, against a Villanova team whose season is kind of falling apart now. And you wonder with Providence, they had the injury to Bryce Hopkins. Like, is this team going to kind of fade away here? Um, was this mm. a nice little start when Hopkins was healthy, and now you've lost six of your last, or, you know, six of your last nine. Um, and, and Creighton's coming to town. And so I think everyone understood the stakes. Everyone understood that Providence absolutely had to get a win. Um, if not tonight, they needed to start rattling off three or four or five in a row. And, and one thing Cooley was always good at, not to bring it back to him, was the teams always got better down the stretch. They always yeah. rattle. You know, if you were on the bubble in your Providence, there's a decent chance you're going to rattle off five in a row. Maybe you'll beat, you know, UConn or, or Villanova or Marquette, the equivalent, um, in any given season. And so, um, Really, really, really big win, potential turning point win for a team that, you know, may or may not still make the tournament, but looks a lot more likely now than they did, um, you know, a Sunday when they got rolled at Villanova. Yeah, I uh, I like this Providence team. I mean, if Bryce Hopkins wasn't hurt, we're talking about a totally different trajectory of the season. And I feel like Devin Carter is now getting, you know, the the attention that many people uh, in the Providence area wished he was getting earlier in the season. And now everybody's seeing it. He's been great. And they're giving him MVP chance. He hit a huge logo three in this game. That was a nice response to an Ashworth three. By the way, um, for Creighton fans, the positive of this game is that Stephen Ashworth 
when he has his feet set, he he is a very reliable shooter. And I felt like this was the first game uh, where it, it confirmed my belief that, you know, this Creighton team does have a point guard. I know that he has had some some good games throughout the year, but it looked the part in this game, even though they lost. So that was encouraging stuff for Creighton. Um, it was encouraging to see the atmosphere in the amp. Uh, one of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball. And then I'm just looking at the we love ratings talk uh, in sports media. But if you're looking at the ratings for basketball games in the past week, Duke Carolina was number one with 3.2 million. Then it's Knicks, Lakers. Then it's Tennessee, Kentucky, Kentucky, Purdue, Wisconsin, Houston, Kansas, Lakers, Celtics, and then Iowa, Maryland, which is Caitlin Clark, Iowa, not uh, not Fran McCaffrey, Iowa. But um, <laughs> you know, five, five of the top seven games right there, Eamon, are all college basketball games. So uh, as we're turning the calendar into March Madness brain, as we're getting past the Super Bowl, it does feel like the interest and the intrigue is there. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some Super Bowl bets. My favorite bet this year is a simple one, and it's a fun one, to be quite honest. Uh, You basically bet that the Chiefs are going to win the coin toss and the game. That is what I'm going to bet, uh, at least. You could bet the Niners to win the coin toss in the game. You could get that number at plus 260. But if you take the Kansas City Chiefs to win the coin toss and the game, you can get that number at plus 320. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. If you're new to FanDuel, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets when you win your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash OSP to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash OSP. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older and president select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at Sportsbook.FanDuel.com. Now let's talk about a program that has a lot of interest and intrigue from my vantage point, and that is Virginia basketball, because uh, I wanted to talk to you about this. You are an expert on Virginia basketball. Um, I, once upon a time, rode their coattails to a national championship after they lost to a 16 seed. I picked them to win it. There was a lot of people that were laughing in my face about that. And luckily for me, uh, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, um, and Diakite, you know, they all made things happen to, to get a 2019 national championship. But uh, Bennett Ball is back. That's what the people are saying. They held Miami to 38 points. What have we seen from this Virginia team and what has the turnaround kind of been uh, for this group? Because early in the year, it looked desolate and now it looks like familiar again. Yeah, you know, they're they're really interesting this year. Um, you're right. I mean, the thing the thing that's interesting, I think, about this Virginia team beyond they had a stretch in December, basically December 19th through January 13th, where anytime they played anybody on the road, whether it was Wake Forest or NC State or even a team as bad as Notre Dame or Memphis, which at the time looked like a really good team, um, but maybe not so much anymore. They just got totally destroyed. Like they, they, you know, I remember going back and 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 writing about them at the time. And you look at their um, home road splits in terms of like net rating, points per trip, all of it. And they they rated out as like in the you know first percentile. It was like Chicago State numbers. It was wor- actually it was worse than right. Chicago State this season. You know, Chicago State looked better on the road than than Virginia did. Um, and so they had a huge problem with that. I think that they sort of figured it out at Georgia Tech. Um, when they won there January 20th, held on against NC State. And since then, um, I think the rotation has been figured out. I think Jordan Miner, the Merrimack transfer, who um, 
you know, as NEC player of the year and defensive player of the year, obviously that's a really small school. And so the adjustment up to the ACC is difficult, but he's a talented guy who um, has played four years of college basketball, really, really good defender is now uh, finally playing well. Um, Jake Groves is hitting shots and playing well as sort of a more he's flexible shooting like six, 60% from three over the past yeah. like month or so. I mean, it's insane. That that offensive combination of of minor as sort of the big guy and Groves playing as like a stretch four has been really helpful. Um, and then defensively is where they're really really good. They're but they're good in different ways. They have Reese Beekman and Ryan Dunn, who are two of the most disruptive, probably the two most disruptive defenders in college basketball. And so the classic sort of Bennett defense of pack line, keep everything in front, very conservative. Um, don't touch anybody. Don't foul. Don't try to commit turnovers. We're just gonna make you take a tough shot, we're going to rebound it, and we're going to walk the ball up the floor. That's mm-hmm. gone away a little bit. They're still slow, but defensively, they force a ton of turnovers um, while not committing too many fouls, and they have great first-shot defense. So they're a more aggressive version of what they've been in the past. And yeah, you saw it against Miami. Like They can not just defend teams, but occasionally demoralize teams to the point where you know Miami in that second half was getting the ball out of the hoop and just like walking it up, being like, can we get out of here? Like This is terrible. <laughs> like Let's just go home, Jim Laranaga included. Yeah, it does feel like there's a rapport there with, uh, you know, the understanding going into a Virginia game that there's going to be physicality. And it does feel like because of that, they've been able to be physical, but also being able to get in the passing lanes for steals. And they're, they're kind of taking it up to a next level. And now you got two guys, Dunn and Beekman, that are up for the watch list for Defensive Player of the Year. So when you have two guys on that list, that's very good. They've also won 23 straight games at home, 16 straight ACC games. So uh, w- I was talking about the AMP being one of the best home court advantages, obviously, uh, uh, at JPJ, you you got something going on there with the, with all uh, the Wahoo fans there, and now they're up to number thirty four in the net, uh, Virginia, which was a big conversation. So I have to ask you the big question: um, Are they off the bubble? Like, is Virginia officially in the tournament? They're they're second in the ACC. They're trying to backdoor their way into winning the ACC at this point. Like, are are we are we saying that they're off bubble watch, or are they still on the bubble? Because um, I know the bubble boys for a while. I mean, they had them out of the tournament even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were out of the tournament until the last you know, probably the, the last week um, where they, you know, went to Clemson and then beat Miami so bad that their metrics started to look a little bit more, a little bit more passable. But, um, you know, the, the, I think they'll probably, if they continue to play this way, it, it won't be a problem. There's what, eight, eight or nine games left in the regular season. And you, you know, go five and three, something like that. I think they'll probably get into the tournament relatively easily. Um, and again, having figured some of this stuff out, you're no longer like, oh, you know, what what happens if they go four and four? Like, I don't think they're going to go four and four in, in their last eight games or whatever. I think they're going to play well. And, and um, you know, they'll, they'll uh, I think they have Carolina at home and Duke away. And so then you win one of those two, whichever one it might be, and you're, you're locked in. So mm. um, I think they'll be fine. But it, you know, I, you see this with Virginia fans in the, in the plat as they've sort of won seven, eight in a row or whatever it's been getting very frustrated that their net wasn't climbing higher, that they're you know still 62nd in Ken Palm or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, like you barely beat NC State at home in overtime. Your metrics aren't going to go through the roof for that. If you Now, if you beat Miami 60 to 38, then the metrics are going to improve. It's just like play really well. And this stuff kind of takes care of itself. There's no grand conspiracy for why, you know, the net doesn't like you or whatever. Just, just beat someone really bad and you'll, you'll see it jump. 
Yeah, Wake Forest has shown that. They go down to Georgia Tech and absolutely obliterate them, and their debt moves up more than Clemson, who beat the number three team in the country on the road at Carolina. But that's, you know, that's the metrics game. And also one game doesn't dictate. Like, I think a lot of times with the net, and, and it's, you know, it's obviously the human uh, part of this, but you see your team do something like that, you immediately go to the net and you're like, we must move up 10 spots. or we, You know what I mean? But oh, yeah. that's, it's not really one-to-one in that sense. It's, it's like, not like the AP poll, you know what I mean? And I think that's also what's breaking fans' brain because they're like, I just watched this. Why is this not happening? You know what I mean? Right. And it's like that with getting in the tournament too. I mean, you don't, if I had a dollar for every time someone would, you know, right like a minute after someone wins a game, like, all right, we're off the bubble now, right? And it's like, well, that was <laughs> one thirtieth of your season that just finished. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was a tiny right. fraction of what actually were, you know, people are looking at. Um, and you can't help but hype this stuff down the stretch because it does matter. And I think the committee does pay attention to these games down the stretch and, and, there's plenty of times where you have like, like, you know, um, Wednesday night, you've got Villanova playing Xavier. Like, that's a bubble game. And maybe if that game happens on March 8th, you can look at it and isolate it and be like, whoever wins this game is probably getting in the tournament. Like, mm-hmm. but that's not really the case right now. And and again, it's every every game is just one more data point. It's not definitive um, as as exciting as it can be right after a huge win to be like, all right, we got to be in now. It's like, OK, maybe, but also maybe not. And the trolling is at an all-time high. I mean, uh, the last time you and I spoke to each other, John Rothstein was tweeting uh, two-bit ACC question mark, um, and, and that was the kind of the conversation around the ACC at large. Now, Joe Lenardi and, and most of the bubble boys, they have them in four teams now for the ACC. The ACC has five teams in the top 35 of the net. Um, so you're looking around four to five teams. Do we think that the ACC trolling is over? I know that you wrote on, on the buzzer or on the bu- you know your, your buzzer uh, piece about how the ACC trolling has gone too far. Um, has it gone too far, or, or do we think it's over at this point? Because it does feel like with four or five teams, there's less uh, people up in arms about the conversation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, Virginia's last week, again, winning at Clemson, Clemson turning around, winning at Carolina, has been a, a nice sort of calming thing on uh, for, for ACC fans. I think, look... Um, We've talked about this before. I think it has been difficult for ACC fans to totally, in the past couple of years, um, not not even this season, but but two seasons ago and, and last season, to wrap their heads around the fact that the conference doesn't have the kind of depth that they grew up with. And that, you know, going in, you know, like when Pittsburgh was like 11 and 6 uh, and got into the tournament, you'd have Pittsburgh fans being like, we're a lock. We have 11 ACC wins. And you're like, dude, I, this isn't, you know, 2002, like 11 ACC wins is not a guarantee that you're in the, you know, like it right. just doesn't work that way this way, th- anymore. Um, and so I do think it's been hard for AC fans to get their heads around that. And I think their response to that has had this weird ebb and flow where now you have guys uh, like John who know that if they write a tweet that says two bit ACC, it's going to get a lot of engagement because yeah, a right. lot of ACC fans, they don't even have to be team specific fans. It can just be anyone who, uh, is interested in the ACC, covers a team in the ACC, whatever, that's immediately going to be like, this is a travesty. How could you ever tweet this? Um, and so, yeah, there's a bit of trolling that goes on. And then um, you get ACC, you know, I, I have a lot of Virginia fans that I follow, uh, Virginia sort of media people and stuff surfaces up and there's just, it's like the net must be broken. It can't possibly work this way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it's just like, I, that's not what the problem is. Yeah. The team has to play better. And so, yeah, I think, 
I think we now have reached the stage where also uh, bra- bracketology isn't the by like it isn't the bylaws. It isn't it isn't necessarily exactly a science. You know what I mean? Where no. I, I think there's some of that, too, where it's like the committee does not look at the 49 bracketologists and say, let's aggregate this and then form our like they have their right. own formula. The, the right. committee can do their own thing. And and I do think we've seen a little bit of that in in seating. I'd have to go back and look the last few years. But, you know, there was a lot of talk about about certain teams and the ACC as a whole um, and not even setting aside tournament performance. I think their tournament seeds were a little bit stronger than a lot of people predicted just based on the numbers. So there may be a little bit of that, a committee being like, look, it's it's still the ACC. Like, let's calm down here. Um, But I just think, I think the back and forth has gotten, it's gotten a little bit to where I feel like it's, it's a conversation similar to more serious conversations like in our society where it feels like you can't really change people's minds and mm-hmm. you're kind of just talking past each other all the time. And so it's kind of like, um, just focus on, you know, your own team. Don't worry about <laughs> like people trying to bait you on the internet and, and just to, you know, have, have some sleepy time tea and don't get yourself so worked up about it. Yeah. It's like, uh, and ACC fans, I feel like their argument is results based, you know what I mean? And then there's a metrics based argument and the, the, they're having two different conversations and arguments about, they think the same thing, but totally different things. And it's Um, like who performed well in the NCAA tournament (laughs) in the past few years. And it's like, well, yeah, that's great. But the committee doesn't care about that and nor should, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, well, it's it's a different conversation, and maybe the committee yeah. does take that into account when they actually do their seating. But obviously, the the metrics and the analytics are not going to say, "Well, last year, you know, Miami made the final four, so let's right. boost their numbers a little bit." Um, you know, let's juice the numbers. So it is a uh, th- there's a lot that goes on to it uh, into it. But I thought one of the things that you pointed out was the strength of record, which is uh, it, it sounds like that is considered that is one of the things that is actually um, in the conversation when it comes to to resumes more than maybe the strength of schedule strength the record is better because it's basically what you should do based on your, your schedule. And it's not just like a blanket thing there. So, but nowadays you have to calculate the strength of re- strength of record on your own. Is that correct? Like ESPN doesn't even have the strength of record available. Am I, am I right about that? Or is it, no, or is it readily available? I think ESPN still publishes it. It's not something oh, they that's do. like, okay. they don't, they don't put it front and center. They BPI is their big thing, but it's on all the team sheets, which has, has been the case for a while. It's like the, the, sort of advanced metrics on the team sheet beyond I thought the when, they, when they brought in the BPI and they they put that to the forefront, they were like, we're getting rid of strength of record like on our on our stats page. But maybe maybe that's, uh, like you said, it's on the team sheets. But uh, yeah. I thought you were doing the math here and I was going to give oh, you credit God. because I I, uh, I I was going to say, Eamon is doing the math so we don't have to, but uh, it sounds like you got it figured out. So that's no good. One, no one has ever said that about <laughs> me in my entire life from like ninth grade algebra on. Um <laughs> I learned calculus via physics, so I, uh, you know, that that's how my brain works. <laughs> what a way to do it. Uh, no, I mean, so strength of record. So basically, um, yeah, for the longest time, strength of schedule sort of in writing bubble watch has been the other metric um, alongside the net or before at the RPI. And mm-hmm. it's just it's just like, have you played a good schedule? Have you not? Pretty simple, but it doesn't take into account, like, how have you performed against your schedule? That was ESPN's big thing. Alongside BPI, which is a predictive metric, they wanted to create a resume metric that kind of assesses with a simple number how well you've done, as opposed to being like, well, they're 17 and three, but they've played the 280th schedule. So you kind of got to do a little mental math about that yourself. Just strength of record. Here's a number for you. Right. Um, So uh, I've always considered that just to be one of the metrics on the team sheet. And it is alongside Kempom BPI. Uh, There was one other one, Massey, but I don't think that's on there anymore. 
and Kevin Paga's index. And those are on the things that the NCA sees, like it's part of their process. They can consider that stuff if they want to. Um, but uh, recently, uh, David Warlock from the NCAA in the, uh, in the buzzer comment section, um, because he's a subscriber, because he's a, he's a good dude, yeah, um, shout out to David. was, uh, was um, clarifying for some people that like, who are arguing, like, we should use strength of record instead of strength of schedule. Why is this still the thing you, you put up here? He was clarifying, like, actually, I think strength of record is probably more important for the committee now than strength of schedule because it takes into account how you've performed against your schedule. So um, switch that up in Bubble Watch, which is a, you know, a, a kind of a nerdy thing to to focus on. But it is, I think, um, a testament to the fact that the committee is not the committee that I grew up with or that I grew up in writing about where they're like they're more nimble the these days. Right. More nimble. And I think more advanced with this stuff. And everybody is so much more comfortable with it in the same way that like people on Twitter are more comfortable with Ken Palm than you know, whereas like in 2009, if you were talking about tempo free adjusted <laughs> efficiency, you know, coaches would look at you even and be like, what? are you talking about? Like, we're not talking about that. Keep the nerd stuff at home. Um, it's just a different world. And I think the committee has, has kind of changed to reflect that. And as much as people complain about them um, being sort of old school, I think they they deserve some credit for that as well. And the strength of record, I feel like, does pass the eye test more than strength of schedule. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's why if you do look at that, you'll probably feel a little bit more closer to what maybe the committee is looking at. So uh, yeah. just for people out there that are getting upset about the net and the bubble and things like that, I, I feel like that's a stat to point out that might yeah. that may help you kind of sleep at night and, and feel better about where you stand. For sure. And it gives you another number that, again, is a resume number. So if you're mm -hmm. the kind of team, if you're like South Carolina and you're like, we're 18 and three, how is our net? you know, 50 or I don't even know what it is right now. But um, how is our net low uh, relative to our schedule? And then you go look at strength of record and it's up in whatever theirs is, like probably in the 20s or maybe a little higher than that. Might even be higher. I'm not sure. Um, then you can look at that number and be like, okay, like we've performed really well against our schedule. Whether the underlings predict us to continue to do so is kind of immaterial. If you get all the way to, to March Madness with this, you know, it's going to be taken into account. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And uh, I think people, you know, the, the more numbers that they have that they can point to and like confirm their own bias, I feel like that that's good news. So uh, people love I, that. I like straight people love confirmation bias and shout out to them. Uh, also, shout out to, to Kelvin Sampson. Um, I thought this was great. Kelvin Sampson, never been ejected from a game as the Houston head basketball coach, up 20 points against Oklahoma State and absolutely loses his mind against the Big 12 officials, gets tossed from the game. Then after the game, he was asked about why he was tossed. He said, don't ask me any silly questions. Um, I'm not, I don't want to get fined $25,000. Of course, the Baylor AD got fined $25,000 for saying that the officials were terrible and he was running it up the ladder at the Big 12 and all these sorts of things. So I ask you a simple question, even what is happening with the Big 12 and their officiating and uh, what kind of war is going on? Because we, we know it's a dog park. Kelvin Sampson told us that, but uh, he's upset at the dog park, even when he's up 20 points. So what's going on here? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting on the broadcast. Um, Fran Fraschella was on the broadcast, and I don't think there's a guy who does TV who knows the Big Twelve more in and out and talks to the coaches more regularly. And his yeah, Fran's like reaction, he knows the fifteenth guy, like that's a walk on that you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> his dad <laughs> wanted to play at Oklahoma State. He's got every story in the book. Yeah, exactly. And and his immediate response was, "That's interesting. I think he's sending a message here." Like immediately <laughs> was able to recognize it as he's not just get he didn't just lose his head, which is what it mm -hmm. looks like to everybody in the outside world. Um, Kelvin being Kelvin, I think if you know enough about him, you know that he doesn't really lose his head in that way unless there's a point to it. And I'm sure he's had plenty of halftime 
talks with his teams that have looked like he's completely lost the run of himself, <laughs> but are actually completely calculated. Um, and so I think that's what that was of like among Big 12 coaches um, and ADs or, and whatever, there's a sense that it's gotten too physical in the Big 12, too much stuff has gone on call that the thing that made him mad was kind of a, you know, shove in the back of the head from, um, from an Oklahoma state player. I think it was on Jamal shed. Yeah. Um, it was on that, shed. Went, yep. that went uncalled and, and did look like not only is that an offensive foul, but like a slightly dirty play. Like you, you need to at least whistle it to make sure people know you see it. Um, and I think that has become a narrative in the big 12 of like every year, Curtis Shaw comes in from the big 12, you know, the, the big 12 coordinator of officials at the big 12 media day. And he does a big presentation. And he always brings film with him, And he talks about uh, the new points of emphasis. And this year he was the one really voicing like, Hey, we're basically just not calling charges anymore. Like mm -hmm. the way that the, the level you have to get to, to get a charge called is a very high standard and we're not doing it anymore. Um, and that's mostly held true. But what has happened on the other end is, has been like a, a, a level of slippage where for a number of years, things have been called a certain way to kind of give everybody freedom of movement. And now we're kind of backsliding a little bit, maybe in the big 12, maybe a little bit more um, broadly with the kind of stuff that gets allowed physically um, under the hoop, rebounding 50, 50 balls, tussles and stuff. And I think big 12 coaches are kind of trying to stamp it out before it gets to the point where all of a sudden everybody's getting the, the Tom is a rebounding pads back out. And we're back in like 2010, big 10, type type play and it's funny because every single league like if you talk to a big big east fan they're like our officiating is horrible and it's inconsistent if you talk to an acc i mean i just watched it with the clemson game and elliot cadeau a, a few of these calls are insane but it's like the the officiating for every conference if you talk to any individual fan they're gonna get up in arms about it and obviously it's the human error part of it uh it can't all be perfect obviously we understand that that officials are who, who they are at some level but it does feel like every league has their own gripe and the big 12 is being the loudest about it but i i think player safety is the concern and physicality is the concern like you said so it does make sense and it almost is a valiant effort because of that because it, it does seem like a protect the players type of move but um, I do find it fascinating that every conference hates their officials. And uh, maybe we should one year swap all these officials. Like, let's trade them around <laughs> and see uh, if, if, if people enjoy, you know, one or the other better. We obviously see in the NCAA tournament, a lot of people talk about Zach Eady, how, you know, Big Ten officials officiate in one way, but an ACC crew may officiate him a different way. Um, same with the Virginia, right? When they would go to the tournament, an ACC official crew that understands how they play, uh, a Big 12 may not, but... Um, it, it's all very funny to see how, because uh, even in the Providence game, Providence fans are going crazy. Creighton fans are going crazy about the same officiating crew. <laughs> and in the ACC, it's like the one thing that we can all agree on is that the officials are terrible um, at times, but it is a, a very thinkless job. So uh, shout out to, yes. to, to uh, Kelvin Sampson for trying to fight the good fight. Uh, one last thing, even before I let you get out of here, Dartmouth, um, there was a big decision that Dartmouth, um, basically their basketball team has decided that they want to be employees um, and that still has to get approved. And then I'm sure they're going to unionize if it does get approved. But there's a lot of uh, layers in this conversation. But Rick Pitino, who is the, uh, the voice of college basketball for many, uh, he is our number one character on this show. He came out after this, the decision came out. Patino said, quote, just all the Dartmouth players are now employees 
and the judge ruled in favor of them. Four of my players came to me and asked to work on some shooting, but I told them we couldn't because they had reached their 20 hours for the week. I begged them not to do it, but from but my four employees said this is unconstitutional and they are taking this to the court. And then he responded to that. A lot of people up in arms about that kind of ingest tweet. He said, P.S. Of course, I'm joking. The employees love this rule more than anything that's ever been put in by the NCAA. Crying, laughing, crying, laughing. Um, so one, the Dartmouth decision, uh, your thoughts there and what the, kind of the, the the lead into what what's next. And then your thoughts on Petito's reaction to it. And then uh, and then we'll let you get out of here. Yeah, no, I mean, I think. Um, a couple of things. I think the Dartmouth stuff uh, immediately opened itself up to the very obvious joke that if Dartmouth players are employees, then their their job should be on the line because they're not having a very good season, which I yes. saw someone tweet, which was quite rude. I, um, I saw someone uh, put like Dartmouth has decided to part ways with one of, one of their players. I was averaging <laughs> like two points a game. It was great. You know, I like the part ways tweets that are ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think Look, I don't know how this stuff is going to go. I mean, I think, you know, the National Labor Relations Board under um, this administration has been extremely labor friendly. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I think that's just an objective thing. Maybe there are people who agree with that. I don't know. But I think it's pretty objectively been as labor friendly um, an administrative board uh, has been in, in years and years. And so maybe not surprising that this decision went this way. But if, you know, the 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 party that controls the White House is different in a year, then maybe this ruling doesn't end up going anywhere in, in terms of like practical realities for, for these players. Um, Cause it's going to be do, lengthy appeals, you know what yeah, I mean? This, it's going to be and, a whole process. And I think of the long term, I, I think all of the long term trends in college sports trend toward the idea of players being employees, right? They're, they're essentially already paid, but it's kind of this weird quasi off the books type, type of thing that I think is a pretty elegant solution but is becoming at, at first it was an elegant solution, like make them Olympic athletes um, and let them get paid how they want to get paid because that's turned into this weird thing with these collectives and now schools basically begging fans for collective money and stuff. Yeah. It's Matt Brown, really Matt hairy. Brown hits me up every day in the email. He's like, we need to get to 5 million. They're like, like politicians <laughs> raising money for campaigns and stuff. It's right. like, and, and then, you know, it's your, if your team's not good, well, that's just the fans fault for not, exactly. for not getting behind the program. Um, <laughs> So it's gotten really messy. So I think the the cleanest solution eventually is to make them employees. But this is this is going to be very tricky because the money's not going to be infinite, and um, the you you don't really get there without collective bargaining and and like a players union and having a players union across however many thousands of uh, of players and three hundred fifty one Division one teams. It's like the the. The structural stuff that this implies for the future is really hard to get your arms around. Um, and I think Patino is his tweets being sort of muddled and confusing people and not knowing whether he's joking or not is a good example of that. Yeah, I think he was being sincere and then he saw the reaction and then he was like, I gotta, <laughs> I, gotta <get> <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta put some laughs behind this. <laughs> Make yeah. sure people know. Uh, but I feel like at some level, even we might get to a point where, I mean, why would, if they're all professional, basically enterprises, the teams themselves, they have employees, like what's different from, you know, Duke basketball than the New York Knicks, you know, and yeah. it's like, are, are they going to play each other? Like, I mean, are they, are they basically the new version of the ABA, like the amateur basketball association? And there's a whole different league of basketball teams and people have way more loyalty because they went to those universities as opposed to just like a, a team that has a city name in the state that they live in. I mean, and yeah. then if you're the NBA, we have direct competition now. 
So now we're not like a monolith. Now, now we have to actually in North America deal with a whole nother professional league, which I know that they won't want to deal with that. So it does feel like there's a lot more that that will be done here and discussed as we move forward. But it was a big decision. Uh, it will be a big conversation point moving forward in college basketball. Eamon, where can we find all your amazing work? And uh, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah, you can find my all my hoop stuff at uh, EamonBrennan.com. Um, I'm on Substack there. And uh, tons of people have joined in the last month, which has been really great to see everybody in the college hoop spirit and doing bubble wash and all that stuff. So um, everybody's welcome. Come on down. Yeah, come on down, and uh, we appreciate you coming on the show as always, Eamon, and uh, we'll have you back soon as we get into the, uh, we're almost there, we're almost in the stretch run of the season, so we're we're close. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks, Tate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There you have it, Eamon Brennan. He's always the best. Love having him on the show. And uh, now we get to do the fun part. We get to do some shout outs. There's a lot that's happening in college basketball. So I want to start with uh, Willie the Kid, Will Wade, contract extension. Shout out to Heath Schroyer, our guy, the AD at McNeese. He says, we want Will Wade. We love Will Wade. We are in the Will Wade business, and we're going to take care of this man. So Will Wade. Contract extension, um, a man that was basically blackballed from college basketball is back and better than ever. And McNeese will be most likely in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if they'll get an at-large bid. Uh, hopefully they win their conference and uh, hopefully we see Will Wade in March. So shout well, out to Will Wade. The local Louisiana uh, papers and, and publications were running like, what are we going to do? This guy is definitely out of here. So I'm glad that they locked him up. And the AD, uh, even in a quote, he sounded very desperate. It's like even without seeing his face. So I'm glad. I mean, he's he's right. like the superhero of that organization right now. Good job for him. Well, th there was a lot of people that were trying to get Will Wade to go take the DePaul job because they want him to die. They want him to fizzle out. You go <laughs> right. to DePaul to to have your career basically end. Um, and Will Wade said, nay, he will stay at McNeese until the next bag man comes to town and says, uh, maybe you come here. So shout out to Will Wade. We love to see it. Um, McNeese is a fun team this year. Also, shout out Kansas State. Um, there was a lot of conversation about Kansas State. They had the stain remover um, that was cleaning jerseys that everybody is up in arms about. Out. They want to figure out the stain remover. It was taking blood out of the jerseys, uh, drink out of the... Uh, did you see this video, Kyle? No. It's like, it was everywhere. Um, and I just wanted to shout that out because it was, uh, you know, I, I it basically got the most attention I've seen for Kansas State in quite some time. But then I also want to shout out Jerome Tang. He has gone to overtime um, 11 times, uh, and he is 11-0 and in overtime. God so uh, Kansas State, what I, that is... And that's a great stat, and shout out to uh, Jerome Tame because that's that's insane. Uh, shout out Quincy Oliveri um, from Xavier. He was asked what he's learned this year about building Xavier's NCAA tournament resume. He said, "Quote: I didn't really know what a Q1, Q2, Q3, or Q4 was, except an Audi." Um, end quote. And that is a 
Great line. And uh, I wish, like Oliveri, that I did not know what a Q1, and I especially wish I didn't know what a Q1A was. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, Kyle. Now we have Q1A wins, um, oh, not just Jesus. Q1. And we're, soon we're going to have Q1B and Q1C, and uh, I, I might be done. Um, but we'll <laughs> see what happens. Uh, I want to live just like uh, Quincy does and only know about Audis. But um, that's the conversation. Uh, shout out to Caitlin Clark. The Caitlin Clark effect is real. Most viewed game on Fox, most viewed women's game on Fox, 1.58 million. They had the Caitlin cam, the TikTok cam that had 800,000 views. Do so. people like that? That uh, Caitlin cam? Have you heard anything so. one way or the other? Uh, Jim Cunningham, our employee at Fox, my former employee, he was a part of the Caitlin cam experience. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> I he went over to so his much. house the other day and he just was like, what the hell's going on with that thing? How are they going to do it? This was before they did it. He was like, I don't know how they're going to do it. What is it going to be? And I was like, I yes. think Tate and I have the same questions. Yeah. Well, Jim, who works there, maybe he should go fact find or, or maybe say, hey, I can help out here or something like that. But uh, shout out to Jim. for He's just in the dark, just like us. Uh, who would have thought? Uh, we love to see it. Uh, Duke Carolina game talking about ratings, 3.2 million. Uh, most since K's last game in Cameron. So college basketball, the rivalry always delivers. And uh, I'm sure they're happy to see North Carolina play Duke anytime on the schedule. Um, there was also a memo obtained by CBS Sports. Shout out to Matt Norlander by Big 12's court coordinator of officials to all coaches and refs. And it said bench decorum has become a pressing issue and it must be addressed. So um, there's a lot of players that I guess are playing defense on the bench. Uh, Theo Pinson back in the day with the Mavericks and the Knicks got in trouble for this, uh, basically being a bench guy that plays defense. So the Big 12 is trying to to get the officials in line. They're trying to get the bench players in line. So uh, shout out to the walk-ons that are taking all the heat this week. Um, you know, Godspeed to you guys. Um, shout out to Fordham. Fordham has had three games in a row where a player has puked on the court during the game. <laughs> yeah. um, in a row? It, yeah, I, this was. Uh, I mean, you got bad water it, fountains over there. It was two different players, but three different vomits uh, apparently. Wow. So shout out to Fordham. Shout out to the Rams. Um, you know, we love to cover the little guy, and I do think every coach wants to see their player throw up on the court. You know, as far as I mean, I, I at any know, level. Man. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a catch twenty two because like you should be in good enough condition at this point in the season that you're not throwing up. But I feel like throwing up earlier in the season, coaches love it. I think like, high school guys love it for sure. Oh yeah, for I sure. Mean, soccer like when at the beginning of the year we had to run with parachutes and like if you weren't throwing up i mean you, you weren't you just, trying you weren't getting respect you know what i mean you got to throw up uh, sometimes you make yourself throw up just to get the respect of your coach um all right so there you go fordham shout out to them shout out to rick patino he's talking about richard patino his son um they were talking about richard patino going to depaul potentially and rick patino said quote i personally want him to stay at new mexico um <laughs> because he wants him and then he said if he leaves new mexico i want him to take over from me at st john's so there is a succession we got a Bronny james thing going on yes here. the eldest boy is going to be the next head coach uh, at St. John's after Rick Pitino leaves. So uh, it is very, it gives very Kendall Roy, Logan Roy vibes um, that he is setting the table for Richard Pitino to take over at St. John's. And it looked by all accounts, St. John's fans were happy about the idea, Kyle. So uh, they want to be in the Pitino business long-term. Um, it's it's a very uh, sweet thing to see. So uh, good, good for you and I that there could be little Pitino at St. John's. I would love that. And then love the press conference where he goes, I think I'm going to stay out another five years. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Richie's over there like, what the fuck? You fucked me, dad. Yeah. He's like, it was supposed to be my time. Uh, L to the OG, R to the ICK. Um, yeah. Good times. Bronny, by the way, uh, he played against California. They went to overtime. LeBron was at the game. And uh, USC fans are pointing out that LeBron is maybe cursing Bronny. I think every game he's been to other than one, USC has lost. 
Um, they lost a cow last night with Braun in the building. Maybe we so, cursed Brownie at that point then. I mean, they've no, lost but, a lot of games, right? I mean, that's the other thing. <laughs> they've lost a lot of games, so I don't know if anyone's cursing them. But I will say this. Brownie had his most assists when we went to the game, Kyle. So, um, what was that, six? Seven, 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 seven assists. Um, wow. and, and I had some people reach out to me that said I was talking about how he was a cool kid and not about his assists. So I will point out he did have seven assists. But I By the way, like that, Bronny. that photo you took of him while we were there, yeah. he looks like he's looking directly at us. It was, I in think disgust. he was. I in disgust. Yeah. I mean, there's people taking pictures all the time. Like, why would he be looking at us like in disgust? Like, you know, it's like how like when you take a picture of a celebrity and he's not into it, <laughs> he's got that face. Like when Shannon Sharp's like, really, bro? Like that. It, yeah. He looked like he was about to say that, but I don't remember anything like that. But it's just somebody pointed it out to me. I looked at the picture. I'm like, wow, he looks he's looking directly at the camera. Disgusted. Yeah, I think he's got a sixth sense uh, for where the cameras are because he's had to be that way because of his dad. And I do know this uh, based on our own sources that if Bronny, like if a picture gets posted of Bronny or like a graphic or anything from USC, it has to get approved by the the Bronny team. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's, I, mean, uh, you said I think it's me, LeBron. Right? I think I think it's LeBron's team. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Bronny, he, I did not approve the picture. That's probably why I was upset. So we apologize to Bronny. We're supporting you, Bronny. We'll be better next time. Um, also, uh, just a quick follow up. I know I said last week that Andy Enfield and Kobe Johnson were going to be on the show. Um, we got an atmospheric river, as I pointed out in the last show, and LA was basically shut down. So we were not able to go to shoot around and interview them. And they basically said, we'll catch you on the other side. So during the summer, uh, when the season's over and the storm is settled, um, it's a rain check. It's it's a rain check. It's a literal rain check. Um, next up, shout out to Damon Stoudemire, head coach of Georgia Tech. Uh, they got whooped by Wake Forest. And then after the game, he goes to the post-game press conference and he said, quote, got that ass whooped. Questions? <laughs> um, which was a great moment in time. Damon Sotomayor, love him to That's death. I uh, think he's great for the ACC. And I'd love to see that. Uh, shout out to Amir Abdurrahim. He is in first place in the AAC. They started the season two and four. Um, this is the guy who took Kennesaw State to their first NCAA tournament. Um, he is going to be a name that is thrown out for a lot of jobs. And uh, USF is very happy to have him. And maybe they have a, a Will Wade type press conference very soon where they announce the contract extension because uh, the Wolves are going to be coming very soon for him to get those interviews um next up ed cooley loses his cool uh, allegedly a student fan came up to ed cooley and said that's seven million dollars per win cooley walked over to the guy and said quote you know what i'm rich as a motherfucker i'm rich as shit um end quote so you sure that wasn't kenny powers <laughs> that was one of the that was one of the best quotes of the year um and ed cooley um you know he's obviously had a lot of conversations about him. Uh, he does like to preach to people and kind of get them on the straight and narrow. But saying I'm rich as a motherfucker and I'm rich as shit is always going to be hilarious, uh, especially to a student <laughs> who was pointing out facts. I mean, seven millions for win. I mean, that's that's a pretty good deal as far as I can tell. So uh, shout out to Ed Cooley. Um People are swearing that it happened. Ed Cooley is basically plausibly denying denying the fact that it did happen, which we love in college basketball as well. Um, shout out to this sign at UNC Asheville game. It just said lesbians for number five. Um, and I've never seen that. It was no context college basketball shot to that account. Um, great sign. And then I looked up who number five is on UNC Asheville. Fletcher AB, um, who transferred in from Wofford. So uh, Fletcher. I mean, shout out to you. You got you're you're expanding the game. Um, shout out to Asheville. Shout out, shout out to UNC Asheville. Um, fun program. Drew Pimber, our guy, um, who we saw last year in the NCAA tournament, great player. Might might win player of the year again in that conference. So uh 
UNC Asheville. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for the good times. Thanks for the sign. Thanks for the moments. Um, Jim Beheim, shout out to you. Your suit jacket um, or his suit jacket was a collage of him getting tossed against Duke. Um, everybody remembers 2014. CJ Fair drives. Should have been a block, but it's called a charge. Jim Beheim runs on the court flips up his jacket, loses his mind, gets tossed from the game. He was calling the game in the crow's nest with our guy, Wes Durham and Corey Alexander, and they were showing the clip of him getting tossed, and then he opens his suit jacket, and it is a picture, a collage of that moment in his suit jacket. Uh, he was uh, on one, to say the least, in Cameron Indoor. He also said he was upset that they don't sell straws at Cameron Indoor. Um, he says he hates drinking without straws. Uh, um, so Jim Beheim, just, just <laughs> ultimate curmudgeon. Yeah, I mean, I, I just love it. Um, there are enough suit jacket surprises by the way you really only see it at like the nba draft or that you know nfl draft when it's like hey look it's my yeah. own you know this my mom's from portugal look at the portuguese flag on the inside and so i think we should do more reveals like that like especially not, when you can time it out i'm not gonna lie my high school graduation there was a lot of suit jackets uh that were opened up to some sort of signage on the inside and yeah, uh, shout okay. out to northern vans high school um the crowd was going crazy for the suit jacket That's reveal cool. you know what i mean i mean like it they, never gets old right i mean it really I, unless everyone does of, it and, and, and the best thing you can do kyle is you open the suit jacket you let everybody see what you got and then you take off the suit jacket and you swing it around your head like pd pablo that was a yeah. big move in my high school graduation North people Carolina. went crazy yeah that's it was a big moment so shout out to the class of 2011 northern vance high school we see you um next up clemson shout out to clemson they get their first top five road win since 1977 against my tar heels it was their second win ever in chapel hill Great game from P.J. Hall, stepping out to the three-point line, hit some big shots. I mean, Clemson smacked them in the face early, got up 15-2, to two, and Carolina clawed back, got it tied at 70, but they lost the race to 69, and the rest was history. So Clemson, second win ever in Chapel Hill, and I do want to point out the one and only time that Clemson won a basketball game in Chapel Hill, it was followed by a global pandemic. So um, we do not want that to happen again. So last time that it happened, the world basically ended. This time it happened, fingers crossed, knock on wood, everything's going to be okay, but... Um, I was pulling for Carolina just for that reason, you know, objectively. I just I just want to have good days ahead. Um, shout out to us. Shout out to One Shining Podcast. So we just got word. This is official. We are doing a live show. Kyle, is that correct? Uh, that, that is, I have been confirmed that we are going to North Carolina, to the Carolina Theater in Durham, North Carolina, before the Carolina Duke game at Cameron Indoor, the Friday before, and we're going to be doing OSP Live. Is that true? Is that a real thing? Is that happening? In classic OSP fashion, we found out a month before. It's, uh, <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's currently exactly a month before the show. Um, yes. You got hired March 1st last year and right. uh, we just started doing shows. So it's really on brand for this iteration of the podcast. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a challenge. We've fire. got we've got emails and texts to send. Uh, I've got about five to seven friends from different corners of the world who really wants to be in, uh, you know, just in the atmosphere of Carolina Duke <laughs> and um uh, and I'm, I mean, it sounds like we're, we're doing it. We are doing it. I'm booking it, flights and hotels. It, we're booking we flights and it's happening. And uh, my family will be very excited. I will have to reach out to my Carolina family to see who we can get to go there. Tyler, I can't wait to was, shake your dad's hand again. I'm going to do, I've oh. been doing like, I've been doing exercises. I think I think my parents will want you to stay with us uh, in Oxford, North Carolina. Um, I, that's I'm sure they'll put that out there. Not not for the actual show night. We'll stay in Durham, but uh, for the Carolina Duke, we're not going to go to Cameron. I I, uh, I do not voluntarily <laughs> go to hell. Um, I do not sign up for that. So I think we'll watch it uh, at my with my family in North Carolina. So uh, that'll be fun, and it'll be a great show. We'll have some special guests. Hopefully, we can get Tyler Hansbrough in the building. Last time I did a live show at Carolina Theater, I did it with Titus. Uh, Tyler Hansbrough was supposed to be there. 
there, but then two days before got a contract to go play in China. So he left. And then we got Greg Oden to fly in last minute and wear a Tyler Hansbrough jersey and do an interview as Tyler Hansbrough. And uh, God, I'm worried we're not going to be able to come close to that. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell <laughs> but you I guess this. the real thing would be the best if we could do that. The real thing would be the best. Um, and it was hilarious because I just asked him Tyler Hansbrough specific questions. Like, how'd you feel, you know, when you guys lost to Georgetown in 07? And he's like, I, I don't remember. <laughs> it was it was a very it was a very enthralling interview. So uh, it's it's exciting to be back. Shout out to my guy Joe Student who uh, runs the Carolina Theater and has set this whole thing up before. So we'll have fun. We'll have a fun show. We'll have some great moments in the history of Carolina Duke. Um, if you are a Duke person, a Duke fan, a Duke friend of the program, please reach out to us with who you would like to get there. I mean, I'll reach out to Jay Billis. I'm sure he'll be in town. Um, I'll reach out to Ryan Kelly. I think he's playing abroad right now. Ryan Kelly is probably my most trusted confidant on the Duke side of things. Um, Got a hug from him after the Carolina Duke game. It was one of those sportsmanship moments where I was like, man, Ryan Kelly, you have my respect. Shout out to Ravenscroft. Um, So we'll see. But if, like I said, if you're a Duke person, reach out to us. We want to have Duke represented at the live show. Um, Will Kyle Mann be there? Who knows? We'll have special guests. We'll we'll figure it out. It's all happening. We're about a month away from it. Um, Let's do some games to watch here. Kyle, I have games for you. Let me know if I miss any. Uh, But games to watch this weekend for fans. Dayton VCU, watch that game. Going to be a fun one. San Diego State, Nevada. It's going to be a good game. Illinois Michigan State, UNC Miami, my goodness, Jim Laranega coming off that insane press conference uh, after the Virginia lost 38 points. Going to be a heck of a game. Gonzaga, Kentucky, it's going to be a fun game on Saturday. Baylor, Kansas, St. John's Marquette, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Indiana, Purdue, Boise State, Utah State, all games you need to watch this weekend. Is there anything else, Kyle, that you had on on your docket that you want to watch? I've got so many that you haven't said. I'll just run down the list. Okay, so here's Saturday. We got St. John's Marquette. Did you say that and I missed it? I did, but I like like it. Okay, sorry. Twice, double tap. Double tap that one. Creighton Xavier, I guess. Just we got to, you know, Creighton's coming off a a tough one, right? Yeah. Uh, Army Navy this weekend. Army Navy Mm. on Saturday. I know that's not, it doesn't have the, quite the sheen that um, football does, but you know what? Uh, like we said, the arrow's pointing up for college basketball. Uh, we got Michigan, Nebraska, both big question marks around these guys, right? Yeah. More Mi- around Michigan, Michigan than just Nebraska. won the other night. Yeah, right. Uh, did I miss this one? You already said it. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, one of those no, rivalries. I like a that's rivalry like, that's game. one of those state runs, right? Anything could happen. You said Indiana, yeah. Purdue. Did you say Virginia, Florida State? No, but I like that too. Virginia, Florida State. Yeah. Virginia, can they keep it up? Providence Butler. It's just Big mm. East watch, basically. And then I think <laughs> right. and I think it's it's Georgetown, um, UConn, and I'm always on UConn Lost Watch. Haven't really paid off on that one yet, but I guess we'll still put five on black for that. And then uh, also Marist Ryder on Saturday. Just want to get that out there. Sunday, Ooh. there's two games. They're well before the Super Bowl. There's Seton Hall, Villanova, and then there's FAU, Wichita State. If I remember, Wichita State is kind of squirrely. That was a couple years ago, last time I remember them. But FAU is 20th in the AP, and maybe something could happen. If there's only a couple of days and you don't want to tune into seven hours of pregame shows, you got FAU, Wichita State. Yeah, Wichita State is in their first year with their new head coach. It's not going great this year, but they are traditionally a, a, a program that gives a you-know-what about catch college it, right? basketball. They'll catch yeah, you. yeah, yeah, they can catch you. Uh, so shout-out to everybody that's tuning in. Enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. We're going to be watching the Super Bowl together, myself and Kyle, so we're going to have fun with that. We have to let Kyle go. We have to leave right now because you have to go do a Bill Simmons podcast about the NBA trade deadline. So uh, we're, we're going to get out of here. appreciate everybody tuning in to One Shining Podcast, and we will be back on Monday with Kyle Mann. See you then.
Thanks again to our friends at FanDuel. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit CCP org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.